Allen. This is Michael Instead, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today we are going to continue our podcast series on the devastation of pornography addiction. And as usual, I'm here with my friend, my ministry partner, my pastor, Chad. Chad Wiles, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Grateful um, to be able to be here and and serve people with the Word of God, for sure. Indeed. And we're going to be using the Word of God quite a lot. This uh, podcast, almost said this sermon. Uh, (laughs) This is not a sermon. This is a podcast. Um, But before we dive into our topic today, um, I just want to get a couple of the business items out of the way. Our our podcast started 11 months ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we are quickly approaching our one year anniversary. Our one year anniversary is technically September 20th. That was the, the, the day that our first podcast ever came out, September 20th, 2020. Mm-hmm. And we've been cranking them out ever since then. And so we are excited, uh, just to be able to continue to do this. We're humbled that we even get to do this in the first Absolutely. place and that people actually listen, uh, because we're using the word of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that the Word of God, um, first and foremost, you know, it, it, it teaches on the gospel, mm-hmm. teaches on God. It's the revelation of the Creator God yeah. and His plan for creation, which is you know summed up in the gospel, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And why we're humble that people would even listen to that is because the gospel, by nature, is offensive yeah. to human pride. It's absolutely offensive because it tells us that we are not impressive in the sight of God. Mm. I'm using my own language here, but we can do nothing that is righteousness in the eyes of a holy God who is in a completely different category than us. He's not a man that he would change his mind is one of the, the ways he speaks of himself. He says also in Isaiah that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways higher than ours. He is, he is in a wholly other category. And so he has a divine standard right. uh, for his creation. And ever since the fall, uh, when Adam and Eve decided to not trust God and decided to lean on their own understanding and were deceived by the serpent, mankind has suffered from a condition known as sin, Right? This is not a, a, a sickness in the way that we, we think of sicknesses, but it is our very nature. Mm-hmm. We have a corrupt nature to the core. We are unable to do things that are pleasing to God, the Bible tells us. Our minds are, ali- are, are warped and are darkened and we are alienated from the life of God. This is every single human being right. from birth. And so the gospel tells us these things, but it doesn't leave us in that bad news. The gospel indeed is good news. Mm-hmm. It is the announcement of the arrival of our King, right? The arrival of our Savior, the arrival of our Redeemer, right? And and that is Jesus Christ. And anyone who believes in Christ by grace through faith alone can receive a new nature mm-hmm. that is a nature that is divine, that a nature that is spiritual, a nature that is actually caused by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit himself, who is the down payment for us mm-hmm. and for our entrance into the kingdom of heaven. God will come to retrieve the thing which he has purchased by his own blood, that yeah. is his bride, his people. And so that's why we're humbled that people would listen to this because we're not preaching, we're not speaking, we're not trying to make the listener feel good about their sin, right? Right, And and we were all, like I have already said, in that seat at one point, you know, we were all sinners until Christ. And so um, we're humbled that you would listen. We're grateful that you would listen. And our prayer for you, if you don't know Christ, is that you would come into a love-filled relationship with your creator by repentance, acknowledging his lordship, and then living for him. Mm-hmm. living for him. It's by grace through faith alone, the Bible tells us. 
Um, and so we want to thank you, listener, for listening. If this podcast has benefited you in any way, shape, or form, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. If you think right. it's worthy of that, leave a comment on whatever podcast channel you listen to us mm-hmm. on. And then also share this with your friends, your family, your business associates. This is how the word gets out. This is how we preach the gospel. This is how we give people the hope mm-hmm. of the gospel and how mm-hmm. we replace hopelessness with hope. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, we're going to dive into our topic today, which is part two of the devastation of pornography addiction. for sure. And I want to review a couple of things before we get into it. Um, First, the two websites that we used to read off these alarming statistics Mm -hmm. that we read off in the first episode uh, are safehorizon.org, safehorizon.org, and the new fight the new drug.org fight the new drug.org i'm not going to read all the statistics off again um, if you're interested in those statistics they're alarming mm-hmm. um, they will shock you um, but they will show you the reality of the situation at hand pornography is one of the biggest um, industries in the world um, and three websites, according to these web, these two statistic websites, are responsible for the majority mm-hmm. of that pornography being disseminated. Two of them specifically receive the majority of those three. Um, human trafficking is another industry that comes mm-hmm. out of the pornography industry. I guess I don't know if you could say that actually. They probably just exist, you know, together. Um, but yeah. we did read some alarming statistics that there are. Um, just large percentages of young females being trafficked in the pornography industry. Um, and so, you know, like Chad had said at the beginning of the last podcast, one of the reasons why we wanted to read those stats to you was one of the justifications for people staying in their sin and continuing to indulge themselves in pornography is that I'm not hurting anybody. It's just mm-hmm. me, right? That is a bold faced lie, right? Now, that person may not have ever read these statistics, but look. The stats are out there. We are, if we indulge ourselves in pornography, we are feeding that beast. We are feeding the beast of pornography. We're allowing young women and young boys mm-hmm. to be trafficked so that they can be dehumanized and used as pieces of meat in order for other people to pleasure themselves. Okay. And so this is the reality of what we're talking about. This is sin in one of its manifestations. Right. And so uh, we, we need to shed light on this industry. Um, We need to uh, be informed about what's going on in this industry. And as Christians, we need to pray first and foremost that the Lord God would reveal the darkness, that he would shine light on the darkness and that he would raise up brave men and women to to confront the darkness. Yeah. Uh, we also need to do our part in shedding light on the darkness. Yeah. And we need to call it as we see it or rather call it as God sees it Mm -hmm. and be faithful um, in that regard. So that's just a little bit of kind of the review of what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to focus primarily on correct beliefs about right. lust. And if you remember last week, we defined lust of the flesh. We defined and talked about lustful thinking and what happens with that, what it begins with, the environment that leads to it, as well as uh, some truths about the lustful mindset and the environment in our mind that leads to killing the flesh. So today... As Mike said, we're going to really focus on all the things the Bible says that we should correctly believe about lust and sin. Right. To and help I just us want shift to, that. I just want to make one quick note about the, the term lust. Mm-hmm. Um, most people think of sexual mm-hmm. desire or appetite when, they, sure. when they're thinking about lust. But actually, yeah. lust really is not a word that only is concerned in the sexual mm-hmm. realm. It's actually... You can use it for anything. That's right. It's a passionate and overmastering desire or craving, you know, uh, that is all-consuming. You know, right. uh, one of the immediate scriptures that just pops up into my mind, Chad, is um, when the Lord in chapter four of Genesis speaks to Cain, mm-hmm. and He says, "Sin is crouching at your door, and mm-hmm. its desire is to rule over you, but you must master it." You mm-hmm. know, it's that sinful desire that drives us to lust after things. Yeah. It's the idea that I want it now and I'm going to take it. Right. right? It's for me. And, and that mindset, the mindset that's filled with a lustful sort of craving is, is self-focused. That's right. Yeah. The Greek word we talked about last time, the epithumia, mm-hmm. 
which means exactly what you said. It means to have a strong desire that is focused on satisfaction or attaining what is desired. So you're absolutely right. You can plug in any lust of the flesh, whether it be drugs, whether it be food, whether it be sex, whether it be, you know... (laughs) uh, You name it. Yeah, just fill in the blank. All the things that we're talking about, although we're focused on pornography and lust of the flesh and sex, if you struggle in different ways... When it comes to lusts of the flesh, I mean, things that you crave for selfish gain and desire to master over you, mm-hmm. uh, everything that we're talking about can be equally applied in this situation. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess before we dive in, you know, specifically to what we want to talk to you about, talk about today, um, let's just kind of review some of the, the the things that we talked about last time in terms of lustful mm-hmm. thinking uh, and, and, and kind of how it begins and how it leads into these habits, you know, how, where, where does lust begin mm-hmm. and how does it manifest? Let's review up, let's yeah. review up into that point. All right. So number three on our outline there. Uh, truce about lust mindset and the sin that it leads to. Mm-hmm. Well, first thing, failure to worship God and an ungrateful heart. That's the first two that comes from Romans 1, 21. I don't know if you want to, um, yeah, let me, re- let me read, read that. that real quick. Romans 1 is a chapter in the Bible that is actually illegal to read in certain countries like China. They won't allow the uh, state church to read Romans 1. Really? Yeah, Romans 1, well, because it calls it how, it how it is. But Romans 1 verse 21 says this. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Mm, good. So we see that, like we said, failure to worship God and ungrateful heart. Number three, it's an introduction to sexual sin. I have Proverbs 3 here, uh, 31 and 32. It says, <clears throat> Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. So it's an introduction to sin. Uh, Number four, we see that truth about lust mindset, that sin leads to uh, experiencing sexual sin. Mike, do you have uh, Proverbs 10, 23? says, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Right, so... In, in that context, it's you see that it's wrong, but it's foolish to you. You want to have what you want to have. It's like a joke. Yeah. Right. And then that leads to repeating the experience of sexual sin. And that's interesting too that it says, you know, doing wrong is like a joke. Because mm-hmm. when, when, we, when, we, when, we, when we use the term, oh, I'm just kidding. Generally right. speaking, like most of the time we say something that is actually hurtful. Right. Right. But oh, I'm just kidding. Right. right? It, makes, it makes light of evil. Exactly. That's why sarcasm is so dangerous. Right. It makes light of evil. Mm-hmm. Then we see the repeating of experience of sexual sin. Proverbs twenty six eleven. Many of us have heard this one. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. So once again, just foolishness. But that since you have experienced the sexual sin, now you're repeating it. And it's just going back like a dog to his vomit. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's such a graphic uh, picture but it's so appropriate for um, what this is when it comes to pornography of not seeking God, not seeing it rightly, just wanting what you want, craving what you want, Mm -hmm. knowing that it's going to lead to destruction, but just going right back to this this putrid thing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's It's a graphic picture, but one I think would bring sobriety if we thought about it. Yeah, even in Second Peter, I mean, I know we're about to go there, but mm-hmm. Second Peter says, talking about false teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Who at one point knew the knowledge of God, right? right. It says in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 21, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness mm-hmm. than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Yeah. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit mm-hmm. and the sow after washing herself returns to wallow in the mire. Yeah. You know, the apostle Peter pulls that scripture out and applies it to this particular absolutely. text, which leads into the next, you know, well, yeah, the, two, the next two points, which 
Proverbs twenty six eleven and Second Peter you just read. So after repeating the experience of sexual sin, we find ourselves developing a routine or a ritual for the mm-hmm. sexual sin, and then we see domination of that sexual sin begin right. to happen when you start down that path. Right. And then the last two is God. This is this is a big warning, and should strike fear in the heart of of anyone who claims to know and love God. But that if you find yourself into that place of being fully dominated by your sin and you've completely hardened your heart towards the Lord, it says God gives you over to your sexual sin. And then that leads to all kinds of degre- degre- sorry, degradation. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'll just read the list here in Romans chapter one again, mm-hmm. verse 29. It says, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, mal- maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So we see that sin starts out, I guess we could say smaller in magnitude, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then it, once we're fully given over to that, once we continually choose that, it just, it just the bottom drops out. And yeah. it's like nothing is off limits. We read a stat about you know, younger people starting off with like a softer pornographic you know, um, appetite. Mm-hmm. And then that, they build a tolerance to that. Mm-hmm. The, the stat was on uh, one of the two websites that I'd mentioned earlier in this podcast. And they started to choose things that were more and more intense and grotesque mm-hmm. and more and more disgusting that they, ne- that they themselves admitted they never would have looked at initially. But the, the mind gets desensitized. The conscience gets seared, as the Bible tells us. Mm-hmm. And the bottom will drop out and you'll be filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and, and that, that's true of any sin in particular, but the focus here is the sexual sin. And, and the Bible does place a high emphasis on keeping yourself sexually pure. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, at the lists found in Galatians right. chapter five and right. all throughout the list, sexual immorality is always the first right. one. Right, and multiple things about sexual sin, sexual immorality, as it also talks about orgies in that same list and sensuality, all right. things that kind of contribute to the same thing. Right, and, and you know, orgies, people go, well, we don't do that anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah. You just you probably haven't been invited, which is great. <laughs> don't get invited. Yeah, please don't. But specifically during the culture of the New Testament authors, orgies happened at, in places of worship. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, this was, this was a, a, a well-known part of the culture mm-hmm. and was participated in by many pagans in the culture. And even some people in the Corinthian church, in mm-hmm. First Corinthians, Paul, you know, he, he really gets after him, yeah. rebuking him. And the reason why that they were doing this was because it was an act of, so-called act of worship mm-hmm. to, you know, their various pantheon of gods, whatever culture they happen to find themselves in, whether it be Roman culture, Greek culture, whatever, there was always a, a, a sexual element to the worship of false gods, even going all the way back into the ancient Israelite times. You know, yeah. we, we had mentioned the god Ashtaroth, yeah. right? And the god Molech. Well, the way you worshiped Ashtaroth was by having sex with a, with a, with a prostitute mm-hmm. that was also a priestess. Mm-hmm. And, oh, if in case you had an unwanted child from that from that act of worship, quote unquote, mm-hmm. well now you can worship the god Molech by sacrificing your child to that right. god. You know what is that right. called today? It's called abortion, yeah. right? Yeah, pornography and abortion are just right. same same gods being worshipped. And this is this brings up a bigger point, which I think should be said, is that worship is always happening, whether mm-hmm. or not you recognize it as such. Like this. Lust of the flesh is going after. This is a result of sinful, prideful idolatry, idolatry of self, and it's a it's breaking the first commandment of having no other gods before the one true God. Yeah. Like at the very core of these things, let's not get when we're talking about these things. Let's be very clear and not get um, pragmatic in our minds of I just need to fix these habits. Mm-mm. You need to repent in your heart and change who you worship. Right. And that will guide the habit changing. Right, right, right. And it only makes logical sense, right? I mean, yeah. it only makes logical sense. You know, there is a spiritual element to the human existence. We are right. more than just little biological components. Right. We are. 
and, right. and, and doesn't you don't need to go very far to understand that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like Chad said, regardless of what you think you're doing, there's always a spiritual element to it. Absolutely. You know, and addiction uh, to pornography, you know, because we had just made the, the mm-hmm. comparison of, of worshiping, worship of God, the God Ashtaroth and Molech to mm-hmm. pornography and abortion right. today. Well, look, the reason why we don't call it worship to those particular gods nowadays, mm-hmm. most people don't, although there, there are people that do, um, is because we live in a postmodern, scientific, naturalistic mm-hmm. culture, right? So the terminology we use to describe things is quite different. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the spiritual element is just somehow gone, mm-hmm. right? Just because we don't acknowledge those things, by and large in our culture, means nothing mm-hmm. to the existence of, of whether or not God is actually, you know, exists. Mm-hmm. He does. Mm-hmm. And he, he has a, a standard, and so um, our, one of our jobs, Chad, here on this podcast is to reveal that standard. That's right. And then reveal the way to freedom. That's right. Absolutely. And so when we're talking through these things, we're about to move into the correct beliefs about lust. The reason why this is so important is because that's where worship happens, yeah. is what you truly believe. We say here all the time at the Nehemiah Project, but they say this in biblical counseling. It's not unique to us. But what you believe is what you do. Your 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 actions and your emotions are tied to what you truly trust in and what you hope put your hope in and what you believe and what you worship. Another way you could say it rightly, uh, I use the term belief because it's one that I feel like everyone understands best. But what you could really say is what you worship is what you do. Mm-hmm. We are worshiping hearts. We are designed to worship. So we are always worshiping. We're either worshiping the God of this land Satan through worshiping ourselves mm-hmm. and acting on our own sin, or we're repenting of that of self worship and we're worshiping the one true God yeah. by <clears throat> humbling ourselves before Him and believing and acting upon His word that He has given us. Yeah, and I, we don't use that term worship very often in our culture, mm-hmm. right? So if, it, if there's any unbelievers out there right. listening, what I'll say it in a different way: when we say worship, mm-hmm. what we mean is whom. To whom have you given your allegiance to? Right. Who is your love for? Is it right. for yourself? Because right. then you worship yourself, right. right? Where do you find your hope? Where do you find your trust? Where, where do you place your trust? What do you give your time to? What do you give your life to? What do you give your right. thoughts to? All those, the answer to all those questions reveal who you worship. Right. And you've only got two choices, yourself or God. Right. Like the number one sin is pride which is self-worship, which then we create idols for ourselves to serve ourselves, um, which is where lust of the flesh and pornography find itself. Um, but so all of this is helping us to reshape our minds. The Bible constantly tells us, Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, talks about the renewing of the mind. And Ephesians 4 talks about the putting off of the old, renewing our mind in Christ and putting on what's right. The key to worship is replacing our sinful, debased, depraved minds through the worship and humbling ourselves before Christ who is Lord and accept, accepting him as King and Lord and Savior and following him and following the Lord through being obedient to his word and giving our lives to the Lord. That's, that's where freedom comes from. And you might say, well, my God would not require that. My God would never right. allow allow me you're, to not do what I want. <laughs> you're correct. And I would say, um, well, who is your God? What's the name of your God? Where right. do I, Where can I find that God's standards? Where right. can I find how to worship that God? Yeah. Please tell me, right? right? The God of your own understanding is a no God. Exactly. It's, it's a false not God. God. It's a false God. Um, if you get to determine who that God is, de facto, you are God in your own mind and you're not much of a God. Right. You didn't create yourself, nor can you sustain yourself. Right. Nor can I sustain myself. Right. But I believe in the one who can, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's just our immediate just rebuttal, lest you you think that we're unaware of Mm -hmm. some of the arguments out there. And we say this in all humility because Mike and I both had to come to that understanding ourselves. Hard. We we were both self-worshiping, of debased mind. Oh my goodness. Wanting what we wanted, pursuing all things of the world, arrogant, prideful, you name it, we've been it, we understand it. We are saying this from a place of humility ourselves and really more of a imploring you to 
to to wake up and to and to put your hope in the one who actually is who has hope, which is yes. God Himself. So let's let's talk about lust and the correct beliefs yeah. about lust. What does the first one there, Chad, say? The first belief, and this is a very key one. That's why it's first. A little sin is a very dangerous thing. That's the correct belief. The correct belief is a little sin is a very dangerous thing. And it's all the more reason to fight hard. Do you have Proverbs 5 there, Mike? Proverbs 5, verse 3 and verses 8 and 9 say this, For the lips of a strange or forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Mm. Quick note, that strange or forbidden woman is one of the characters in the book of Proverbs mm-hmm. that symbolizes adultery. Right, the lady folly. First, verses eight and nine say, keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest mm-hmm. you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Yeah, go ahead and hit uh, 22 and 23 of that one too, Mike. Verse 22 says, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. Mm-hmm. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. Yeah. Proverbs 29, 6 says, An evil man is ensnared in his transgression, but a righteous man sings and rejoices. And then James 1, 13 through 16 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So all this, all these verses really help us to see that a little sin does not actually exist. Sin is sin. One of the things that ensnare us so quickly is, one, a victim mentality, which we talked about on the last podcast, mm-hmm which is, oh, it's just kind of happening to me. I can't really help how I'm feeling, I, my flesh. you know. Or I deserve this. I deserve this, or yada, yada, yada. Or the, the real question that we bring into our minds, which is really a deceptive one for our sin is, I mean, is it really that bad? Is it really sin? Like, how far is too far? You know, those kind of mentalities. Mm-hmm. Or it's not that big a deal. Like, I mean, I watched a movie, there's a sex scene, not a big deal. You know, people do that all the time. You know, that comparison. I mean, I'm not as bad as the world. I'm not as bad as this. I'm not as bad as that. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I'm at the gym. Yeah, I'm staring at girls, you know, private parts, and I can see. So it's not, I mean, they wore it. It's not that big of a deal. A little sin is a very dangerous thing because it's the beginning to leading to death. And sin against God is, is egregious no matter how big or little you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, a, a just an interesting picture that's popped up into my mind from the book of Leviticus. Yeah, go ahead. And, uh, you know, Leviticus was written to the Levitical priesthood, mm-hmm. right? And so without getting too deep into all that, one of the images that is used to depict sin mm-hmm. um, in the Bible is uh, leprosy, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like this graphic image, right? Yeah, yeah. And so stuff starts falling off. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it is it is a uh, super gnarly as us Californians would say. And so uh-huh. the the instruction to the Levitical priesthood in the book of Leviticus when they have someone who comes to them who's got leprosy in their and they're you know living in their house is they got to literally go to the house. They got to get the person out, make them ceremonially clean, and there's this whole long process for that. <clears throat> right. And then they got to do the same thing for the entire house. Yeah. Which is like Yes, it's it's actually a medical prescription at the very same time. It's giving us illustration on right. a spiritual truth. So it wouldn't spread. When there's a little bit, mm-hmm. even a little bit, they got to gut the house, man. Mm-hmm. And then another picture that's used, not in the book of Leviticus, mm-hmm. but that's used all throughout the Bible and the New Testament as well, is a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah. Leaven would make dough rise, yeah. right? And so they say that, that a little bit right. leavens the entire lump. Right, mm-hmm. so we cannot we cannot make provisions for the flesh, as it says right. in Romans. Right, we cannot yeah, like 13. coddle our sin. Right, mm-hmm. like oh, you know, hey, I'm great on the sanctification, you know, thing here, but I've got this little thing, and that's I'm gonna just gonna keep that. You know, hey, uh-huh. look, the blood of Christ covers me, man. I'm good. Right, it's like, dude, if you love your sin and you want to keep a little pet of sin, uh-huh. I would I would stand you know stand with the biblical authors and say you need to check yourself to yeah. see whether or not you're actually in the faith a christian yeah 
hates their sin. Yeah. We struggle against our sin, right? right? In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome that, right? right. But we hate it through, through and through. The next one we wanna move on to is talking about the adversary, right? So, you know, the James passage um, really, really places a high emphasis on personal responsibility. Verse 14 that you read, Chad says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Mm -hmm. So we're not off the hook, right? right? It's not Satan made me do it. it. Yeah, it starts in your own flesh. But we do have an external force. Absolutely. Known as the adversary, <laughs> Satan. Right. And he wants to destroy us. Right. He wants to use your fleshly desire against you. Which that's belief number two. Satan wants to destroy you and he will use your fleshly desire against you. First Peter 5 eight through nine. Mike, you got that one for us? Yeah. First Peter five, eight through nine mm -hmm. says this, <clears throat> be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Resist him, it tells us. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice that, God's might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, which is really important. And then 2 Corinthians 2.11, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. Wow. For we are not ignorant of his designs. We have to be sober-minded, as we've been talking about, that little bit of sin, realizing our flesh desires sin. Mm -hmm. That is, for a Christian, that is a belief that we need to always hold tight and know that we should hate our sin, but sin is in us. Therefore, we need to be sober-minded. We need to put on the full armor of God. And when sinful thoughts come about, we need to repent mm -hmm. and, and, and continue to have a habitual a habit, I should say, of repentance. That's how yeah. we stay free. That's how we stay. Galatians 5.1 tells us to stand firm, right? For freedom Christ set us free. We have freedom in Christ. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Right. We must stand firm in our faith. So you will be tempted. It is normative, I should say, to be tempted by your flesh, and it is normative for Satan to want to destroy you. And God has given us instruction of how to battle. Right. He's given us instruction on how to battle. And he's also given us instruction on the designs mm -hmm. that Satan actually uses. Because notice what Second yeah. Corinthians 2.11 said. We know uh, the schemes. We are not ignorant of his designs, right? How can Paul say that unless we have a manual that tells us his designs, right? Mm -hmm. Well, where do you want to start? If you first want to understand Satan's tactics and strategies, you go straight back to the Garden of Eden. And we did a whole mm -hmm. podcast on that. We did two podcasts on that, as a matter of fact. One of them was called The Mind, and the other one was talking specifically about Satan, and we did them last year. Mm -hmm. So go back and listen to those. Yeah. The Bible gives us everything we need to resist the devil, mm -hmm. right? Peter... The, like the Peter scripture we just read mm -hmm. says, stand firm in your faith. Galatians right. five one, stand firm therefore. Right. It has to do with this idea of standing, right? We can only do that because we have mm -hmm. a power that dwells within us that is greater than the power that dwells within the world that right. is the Holy Spirit. But if we're ignorant of Satan's designs, mm -hmm. oh dude, look, Satan is real smart. He's been around for a very long time. Right. He understands and knows the word of God. He does not submit to it. Right. He knows what it says, however, and he is a master deceiver and he right. will twist that thing. His servants mm -hmm. sometimes are even dressed up in robes of righteousness, right? right. They, they, they disguise themselves as angels of light, right? Mm -hmm. They minister within the house of God, but they are false teachers and false prophets. Right. They are wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. So right. look, we have to know the word of God because then we'll be fully equipped to resist him. Absolutely, absolutely. And then here's the next belief, number three. Sin always has a price. There are always consequences and sin always darkens the heart. So just emphasize always. You may think, oh, just that little bit of sin, that little white lie, that little look, that little glance, that little dwelling on, that little lusting, that little whatever, and it's not gonna affect me. You are deceived, my friend. Please understand, sin always has a price and there are always consequences and sin always darkens your heart. 
Proverbs 5, 1 through 6 talks about lady folly. Mike, you want to get it? It says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, Mm. sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, which is the afterworld. She does not ponder the path of life. Her mm-hmm. her ways wander, and she does not know it. Yeah, it leads to death in many different forms, right? Like mm-hmm. that, her 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 feet lead down to death. Right, that right. idea. Just a few examples of how this happens when it comes to lust or sexual sin. We see guilt and its effects. You know, things like depression or fear or even illness. A difficult life. I mean, if you're running around sleeping with a bunch of people, it only brings about complication and difficulty. Unwanted pregnancies, that happens. STDs, right? Sexually transmitted diseases, Mm -hmm. that's a possibility. Destruction to family relationships, you know, um, looking at pornography or sleeping around on your spouse will definitely destroy a marriage and destroy um, your children as they find out. Mm -hmm. Financial difficulties, you know, you know, divorce and all that stuff, like trying to keep multiple women or multiple men, like all that stuff's bad. Church discipline, right? You're gonna if you be, go to a church that practices that. Right, which you should. Which should, it's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Um, criminal conviction, you know, there's, we've talked about how last, last uh, episode, how, you know, you continue to need more and more and that could lead you down the road of, of child pornography or other things that could end up in a place of you're in jail for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. right? And most importantly, eternal consequences, if not repentant, and a hardening of heart, God giving you over to it, being showing and proving to be separated from God for eternity in hell. Yeah, These are all big deals. That being the, the largest. The you largest. Might, you might actually get through life without ever getting caught. Sure. But just know that the Lord's eyes are in every place. He right. sees everything. I had somebody ask me the other day, and, uh, and, and they... They knew the answer already before they asked me. They said, "But how do you do it when you're? How do you stay firm when you're alone?" I said, "Buddy, you ain't ever alone. Right? That's a false belief that you have. It is. You don't realize what First um, Corinthians six talks about: how the Holy Spirit is within you. Mm-hmm. Now, God, I mean, we're deceived, and it shows a lack of eternal mindset and and reality of God when you think that your sin is done in secret. Yeah, you're." Your your level of worship is reflective of your knowledge of God. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it truly is. Your level of worship is reflective of your knowledge and belief about God. Mm. The more you come to know about God mm. and Jesus Christ, his son. Absolutely. Uh, and the more you come to believe that and truly, truly believe what you've read in the scriptures, um, the higher elevated your worship will become. Absolutely. And, and, and what the result of the, is that, the result of that is a sanctified holy life. It, it's it's holy living. That's what it is. That's what the, the biblical mm. authors are always trying to get us to understand is, is that yeah. we're not trying to gain knowledge for knowledge's sake because knowledge tends to puff up. It tends to mm. make us more prideful. That is our natural human fleshly bent. Is oh I know more than you therefore I you know I I'm better than you or or you know we we have this condescending approach to people just because we know we we tend to know more right if we spend time in the scriptures mm-hmm. that's sinful through and through our knowledge of God and of His Christ should lead us to more humility and a higher elevated level of worship exemplified in a holy life mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely. Um, this brings us to our next section here, and we got a lot of scriptures for this one. Acknowledge the spiritual war that is being waged within you and without. So we've been talking about this a lot, but there, there is the war of our flesh that's in us that we talked about in the James passage where God's not tempting you, your own desire is, and Satan is trying to devour. There is this war. Mm-hmm. And so um, we'll just kind of go back and forth, Mike, once yeah. you get Romans seven twenty one through 25. It says, this is the Apostle Paul talking about his own um, struggles mm-hmm. with his sin. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, 
but I see in my members another law weighing, uh, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from mm. this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Mm. So good. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 10, three through six, for we walk in the flesh. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So we don't want to walk in the flesh. Right. Mike, we've talked about Galatians 5 a lot, but here we are. Galatians so 5, 16 through 17. And Galatians 5, I mean, honestly, is one of the more thorough, besides Romans, obviously. Yeah. Galatians 5 is one of the more thorough sort of expositions of this, of this truth that like the man who lives by the Spirit or the woman who lives by yeah. the Holy Spirit is going to come into conflict with their flesh. And, and their flesh yeah. is the antithesis of the, of the spiritual way of life. Mm-hmm. And so here's what it says in, in Galatians 5, starting at verse 16. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Mm-hmm. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. <laughs> right. That's one of my favorite parts. Very clear. In the, all of the Bible. Yes. If Mike wants to do it, it's, it's against the, des, des, the desires of the Holy right. Spirit. Right, We teach this in biblical decision-making. When you're thinking about things to do, just really quickly, first thing, thought should be, does this go against the commands of Scripture? I mean, the black and whites. When it comes to lust, when it comes to sexual sin, it is really easy. <laughs> the Bible is very clear. Do not do these things, right? Right. And then if if it doesn't say it clearly there, which this subject does, but just to give you some wise counsel, does it go against the principles of Scripture? Are there principles that help guide my thinking in this? Once again, has nothing to do with what I think. It has right. everything to do with God's commands and His principles. Right. Then if I'm still struggling, I may look for other godly men to help just give some thought and prayer with me in it. And then we do what we want in faith. Meaning if if it checks all those boxes, then it means we're aligned with the scriptures yeah. and therefore we can do it. It should never be, I just want this thing, so therefore I deserve to have it. That is always a fleshly decision. And here, let me tell you why it's wrong. <clears throat> at, at its very base, okay? Yep. It comes down to a matter of authority. Yep. It comes down to a matter of authority. That's right. I have no authority in and of myself to be the determiner of what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. God does. Right. And so I was speaking with a guy a while back and we were having a conversation about um, homosexuality as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. right? Because this is a particular sin mm-hmm. that is receiving uh, a lot of attention for some reason in our culture mm-hmm. and now is receiving legislation to protect it. But is it wrong, Right. And the question is, yes, it is wrong. How can I say that? I'm not basing that decision on my own authority. I'm basing that decision to say such a thing on God's authority. Mm-hmm. I'm just repeating what God himself says about it. Mm-hmm. And so that is why it is wrong because the source of authority is from God, mm-hmm. right? And so bringing it back to our text in Galatians, if Mike wants to do something, what authority am I basing that off of? Mm-hmm that will answer the question of whether or not it's right or wrong right away. Right. It gets to the root of it. Jesus, last thing I'll say on this, towards the end of his earthly ministry, towards, you know, actually the week of the pa- the passion week. Mm-hmm. He was he was, you know, involved in a lot of arguments with the religious elite of his day, mm-hmm. the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And you'll see this if you go look at Luke 20 or any of the gospels that are involved in the passion week where they come to him and say by what authority are you teaching these things, mm-hmm. right? What authority do you have, Jesus, to say the things you're saying? Interesting question. Mm-hmm. But they, they're, not, they're not idiots. They're very smart people. They know exactly, 
the question they need to get at to to pull the rug out from underneath them, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And so, by what authority are you, listener, basing your actions on? Yeah, that's the authority. That's the question we have to come down to: right. is what well, who's authority? Right. right? So that which is another clear it up. which is another element of worship. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> right. Do you acknowledge the authority of God? Absolutely. Ephesians six twelve through seventeen, Paul says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness readiness given by the gospel of peace." In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you ha- you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So just speaking through, understand this spiritual war that's being waged within and without. Going on and talking about Satan and his schemes and the devil. Um, <clears throat> but understand that God has given us the full armor that all comes from the place of his word and faith, right? All these things that he's talking about, you ever notice that they are primarily focused on what we worship and believe, right? Because you see the whole armor of God, be able to withstand stand the evil day, stand firm therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, right? His word is truth. The Bible says, uh, John seventeen seventeen, I think it is, where it is, your word is truth. Sanctify Jesus says. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. <laughs> right? So what's the belt of truth? The word of God, word of right? God. Amen. And then he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, where does righteousness come from? Once again, it comes from the word of truth, right? Mm-hmm. And believe in the truth. Mm-hmm. And we get Christ's righteousness as we come into a relationship with God through Christ. Yeah, and that righteousness in that particular verse is also speaking about just practical right living. Absolutely. You know, if you're doing Pursuing things that holiness. are according to the word mm-hmm. of God, like you're going to keep yourself out of some sticky situations. That's right. Pursuing holiness. For those who believe in, in Christ, that is a mark of a believer. Those who repent and pursue holiness by mm-hmm. the word of God. Mm-hmm. And your shoes ready for the, the giving of the gospel of peace. So making disciples, the thing the word tells us to do. Uh, in circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And that's so powerful. That image is just so powerful because think about the barrage of flaming darts that are coming from the evil one. Absolutely. The shield of faith just covers you from all that. Absolutely. And then this is one of my favorite ones. They're all my favorite. (laughs) The helmet of salvation. Yeah. There's so much being said right there. Yeah. The belief, the knowledge, the humility, the bending the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, which saves you that truth guiding your thoughts, the helmet of salvation, and then the, the only offensive weapon we have, which all these are tied to, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right, right. It's so beautiful, right? And, you're, and, and when you suit up in that armor, you're able to defend yourself adequately against all of the right. flaming arrows of the evil one and the, the spirits that are of the world. You know, First John 4.4 4 tells us this, that little children, you are from God. And you have overcome the spirits of the world. Right. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's right. Absolutely. And it just succinctly puts it that you look, the power that, that you have inherited as a child of God mm-hmm. is is <laughs> it's incomparable with the power that is in the within the world. It's a totally different category. Absolutely. Right? But we have to understand what we've been given. We if we don't understand what we have been given. Right? If we don't understand the hope to which we have been called, if right. we don't understand the glorious inheritance of the saints, I mean, <laughs> we're, gonna be, we're gonna be very weak in our effectiveness in the kingdom of God. If you don't know how much money you have in the bank, you don't know what you can go purchase, right? I mean, it's like if you don't understand what you've been given in Christ, you don't understand the weapons at your disposal. Right? Absolutely. You don't understand the power that you have to resist the evil one. <laughs> right. Well, a few of these we can now, these, these were some of the foundational things. Let's, we can move a little bit faster now through the rest of these because they all built upon this, right? And so <clears throat> the next one, expect the battle to be more severe when you first begin the fight. The more you fight, the easier the battle becomes. Right. Starting there, there's plenty of scriptures for this one. Galatians 6, 9. You got that one, Mike? Yeah, it says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Mm-hmm. For in due season, we will reap <laughs> yeah. if we do not give up. That's right. Don't don't give up. 
2 Timothy 2, 3-4, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Man, that is such a good scripture. That is that whole section there, you know, it talks mm-hmm. about the good soldier, the athlete, the hardworking farmer. Paul tells Timothy, yeah. think on these things and the Lord will give you understanding in everything I say. And that has ministered to me right. so much. It's That's just right. to dwell. If you want to meditate yeah. on anything, in the Bible, you just don't know what to do because there's so much. I mean, that's one you could just go yeah. straight to and just meditate on that. And the Lord will continue as you go throughout your faith walk, as you continue to live in this world, that scripture, as all scripture is alive and it will just start to blossom more and more truth right. and, and it'll just edify you in more and more ways. So good. I've got a first, first Peter here if you want to go to that one. Yeah, do it. First Peter chapter five, verses six through 10 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that, at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself Restore, confirm, mm-hmm. strengthen, and establish you to be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Absolutely. First John five four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So faith, truth, standing firm, being sober minded, all these things are the warnings that help us see that the battle will be severe in the beginning. For a lot of these fleshly cravings, what happens is there are physiological things that happens when we mm-hmm. partake in them. And there's a craving and a desire of the flesh. A great example is just things like sugar. It's a silly example, but try to cut sugar out of your life Ooh. and see how much you, you want donuts and candy. You think you're strong? <laughs> try to cut that out your life. Right. Oh, man. And I give that as just a very practical example because that's exactly how pornography and all that, all those things are. Early on, it is going to be a battle that feels like you're fighting for your life. But don't be deceived. The more you deny your flesh, the more you trust the Lord, the more you choose him over and over yeah. again, the flesh dies down and your your faith grows and yeah. the battle becomes less and less over time. Yeah, um, in the blue, in the big book um, of Alcoholics Anonymous, if I remember correctly. The big book. Huh? Yeah, um, I mean, I've read that many times uh, when I was in... Um, you got to follow the book, no matter what. If you hey. want to submit yourself to the Lord, you got to follow that book, right? I'm, I'm going to say the Bible's the big book, but <laughs> they, can, be, they can have that. Right, they can, they can use that term. <laughs> um, but there's this, if I, if I remember correctly, the term is called the phenomenon of craving, if I remember correctly. But the idea is essentially that once you start, you can't stop, right? Right. And, and that, when you said, you know, there's physiological. When the, what'd you say? It's Pringles, once you... Or Lay's potato chips. Once you have started, you can't start. There you go. There you go. They took that and marketed it. But (laughs) it's it's true. I mean, there are physiological things that occur because why? Because we're physical beings, just as we're spiritual beings and physical beings. So like the reason why I'm bringing that up is you will will ultimately in the end damage yourself if Mm. you think that, oh, I can just stop the physical thing yeah. without dealing with the spiritual. You will not. Right. You, you will always you will always relapse. You'll always come back to always. it. Or or you'll just change what your sin is delighting in. You'll right. just go, oh, well, I stopped porn. All right, I'm going to go over here and, and now I'm going to, you know, mm. work out incessantly, right? Or or yeah. be obsessed with, you know, what mm. whatever. If you don't deal with the spiritual, right? you have no power against the flesh. Right, you'll just trade sin for sin. Right, right, right. Um, all right, the next one, lust must be nipped in the bud. Mm-hmm. The only way to win against the flesh is not to give it a chance. Well, that's a perfect segue into what I was just saying. That's right. The only way to nip it in the bud is mm-hmm. to address it at the spiritual root. Yeah. Uh, Genesis 39, verses seven through 12 says this, uh, it, it's talking about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Yeah. It says, and, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, mm-hmm. lie with me. Because he refused and said to his master's wife, or he said, but he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except for you because you are his wife. 
how then can I go do this great wickedness and sin against God? And mm-hmm. as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie with her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Yeah, so good. And that's such a great example of, man, it was, a, talk about a tough battle. And if you're, if you're battling temptation and, and you have this opportunity, man, the only way to get out of it is to flee, run. First, right, oh, go ahead. That's such a great like example though, yeah. of like a righteous man. That's right. right. Joseph was a practically righteous individual. Mm-hmm. He loved God. And, and because he loved God, he did the things that were pleasing to God. That's right. right? And this was reflected in such a way that Potiphar, mm-hmm. right? Who was an Egyptian who worshiped not the true God, but tons of other gods, right. saw Joseph's integrity and entrusted to Joseph mm-hmm. everything in his charge, except for his wife, right. obviously, right? right. And Joseph didn't want any of that stuff anyways. But my point is, is that that righteousness was was acknowledged by even someone who didn't acknowledge mm-hmm. the true God. Yeah, you no, know? and the only thing she could do is lie, right? And she, he resisted her. One day, he, because he was faithful to his master, he went in uh-huh. to the house when he probably shouldn't have. There was right. no one there. There's no accountability there. Right. And she was like, aha, this you. is my opportunity, right? I'm going right. to get him. And she tried to. He took off running away in his skivvies, yeah. right? <laughs> but but she then started to lie and yeah. provide false witness saying, this man tried to rape me. Of all course. Stuff. No, yeah. he didn't. He ran away butt naked. Right. 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 But it's a great story just to go to show. It's like, even if you're following God and trusting God, if you're not careful, mm-hmm. right? Don't go in there. Accountability is a great thing, right? Yeah. But if you're not careful, sin's going to come for you. Yeah, don't be in the house. Don't be in the house. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God, has, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, some people take that one out of context. It's like they're, they're waiting for a sign from heaven when they're feeling tempted. That's not what that's saying. It means God has already, in his word, given you everything you need to know to resist these things mm-hmm. and to endure it. Um, the Rome. second one, which goes together with this, um, and so I'm just going to read it because we can just continue the discussion because they're linked together, really, mm-hmm. is that you know lust must be nipped in the bud. The next one is radical action must be taken. The flesh has to be starved and given no opportunity. This may mean cutting things out of your life. And so since we already were talking about fleeing and all that stuff, yeah. I want to go ahead and get that one out there, Mike. Yeah, let's, we're going to Mark. Yeah, Mark 9, 42 through 48. Mark 9, 42 through 48 says this, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, this is Jesus talking, mm-hmm. who believe in me to sin, it would have been better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to mm. go to hell. By the way, Jesus is not meaning literally, he's speaking in hyperbole to prove a right. point. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. Mm-hmm. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Just another little false belief that, that we can address here is that false belief of, oh, Jesus is just so gracious and he'll forgive me and he, he, he's not as you know, hard-nosed as you Christians are. Well, uh, that's, those were Jesus' words. <laughs> so if you're wondering how serious Jesus takes sin, um, He's he's going to the place of like you, it'd be better just to poke your eye out if you can't stop looking. Let know? me and let me just speak to that for a second because I I did receive sort of my my Christian life while I was in a big mega church yeah. that was hyper focused on grace. Yeah, and um and and to, to be clear, like look, if it were not for the grace of God, Christ never would have came. We'd have Absolutely. no hope. Absolutely, like once saved, you are always saved. Um, where, where, what we're saying here is, is that if you are in a church like I was, that is hyper-focused on grace and does not 
exposit the Bible, if they they don't actually teach you the entirety of the counsel of God, you're never gonna see these hard sayings by Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a hard master. He's a good master. We have to understand the divine standard, right? Is impossible for mankind to reach. Mm -hmm. And God, Jesus, takes sin extremely seriously. In fact, he takes it so seriously that there's, he makes no compromise with it. The good part, the good news is that although Jesus is a hard master, he's a loving, compassionate, good master. And he understands our weakness. Yeah. Why? Because he came in the, in the flesh and he decided this was his plan from before the foundation of the world. It says in Isaiah 53, it was the will of the Lord to crush him, speaking of his servant, for our sakes. Jesus Christ took our sin. He walked the life perfectly in our place so that by faith we could receive the righteousness of God. Even still so, there's a high emphasis on holiness, living righteously. Mm -hmm. We can only do that in a way that's pleasing to God if we have his spirit dwelling within us. So look, I know that we have a lot of people in this area that go to churches that are hyper-focused on grace Mm -hmm. or just like, Very mediocre or just outright false. (laughs) And they do not show you the hard things of Jesus. Like, dude, Christ said some extremely hard things. Like, in fact, here's here's one from Luke 9. Mm -hmm. If anyone should come after me, let him deny himself, pick Mm -hmm. up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to be my disciple, he must love his family and every other relationship less than me. Mm -hmm. The, The term that's translated there in uh, Luke 14, 25 is hate. Hate, yeah. He must hate his family. The term actually means love less, but it has that thrust of hate. If anyone that wants, wants to come after me, he must hate his own life. If anyone wants to come after me, he must renounce all of his possessions. Yeah. Like those are Jesus's words. Mm-hmm. Jesus demands absolute loyalty, right? He demands holy living, mm-hmm. right? It says without holiness, no one will enter the kingdom of God right. in Hebrews 13. These and, are Jesus's words. And so we and just want to make sure. Sense. Sorry to interrupt you, Mike, ahead, but Bill. just for that point. And if you just think about that logically, when we talked about worship earlier, if you worship God, if you worship Christ, it's a logical progression that you would want to live like Christ. Yes. Which is pursuing holiness. So it doesn't even make any sense to say, well, Jesus loves me and saves me. And then that allows me to just, be able to kind of take my sin like half-heartedly. That doesn't make any sense. That would mean he didn't. He doesn't actually love you, right? Right? Because look, doesn't a husband have the right in his love for his bride to demand that she is only with him right. sexually and in her heart? Right? Yeah. Like the husband has the right because of his love mm-hmm. and because of the established covenant of that relationship right. that the wife only loves right. me. Right. right and vice versa she has she has the right to have that same expectation 100% so that's the love of christ right. cuz he demands holiness from his bride mm-hmm. because he loves her right, right. It, w- it would not be love if he just said okay great now you're married to me you can go have all your other husbands too right that's not love right right and that's the exact image that they, is used in the old testament right. go read hosea the prophet mm-hmm. that's the exact image that's right. used and then ephesians 5 says that husband and wife is a picture of christ and the church so Every way you slice this thing, it's, a, it's very clear. Right. So any other view of our sin and how we should approach it would not be one that's a biblical view. I think we need to cut this section in half here. Might have to. Because <laughs> we're not even halfway through. <laughs> Let's go ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll do part two of correct beliefs about lust next week. I feel like we have probably already given enough to chew on for this week. There's so many things, but hopefully what I want to say in this is don't get down in the weeds of just pragmatic ways to fight your sin. Hear what we are saying. It begins with your heart of worship for God. And as your heart transforms and your desire to worship is there, then you will do these things. Yeah. And so it's about heart transformation first and then behavior change. Yeah. Not the other way around. Yeah. And just one final note too is, is you know, you hear us using the word sin now and you might be going, well, I thought we were talking about pornography addiction. Yeah. The, the beautiful, <laughs> one of the beautiful things about the scriptures is it doesn't categorize all these sins and then provide different antidotes for all these different categories. No. It's the same antidote. Right. The heart needs to transform just like you yeah. said. 
and the antidote is mm. love for Christ. Right. That is it. Right. So when we when we when we come into a love filled worship filled relationship with Jesus Christ mm. by grace through faith, we have a new heart. Mm. We are a new creation. And now the way we learn how to walk out this faith that we've been given is through the renewal of our mind in the text of Scripture, right. through repentance and confession daily. Right. Daily, First John tells us, like, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and you make God to be a liar, right? That's right. We have an advocate with the Father, the righteous, the, the Jesus Christ, yeah, the Hebrews one who 4. is our propitiation. Yeah. So, like, I just wanted to make that clear too. It's just like For sure. we have different podcast titles, and yet it's like if you've been listening to our podcast, we right. always come back to the same thing. Right. There's a reason for that, and that's that's so beautiful because one, you have to redefine everything biblically. Don't define things the way the world defines them because then you'll define it wrongly. So we're not talking about porn addiction. We're talking about the sin of lust of the flesh, which leads to looking at porn, right? Yes. And the beautiful part and the hope of calling things biblically what they are, which is sin, is Christ came to give us the remedy and the answer to sin. Yes. There's actual hope for change. There's not hope for change in the, in the other ways of de- defining it. And so... God is not a God of confusion. He has made it very clear. It's about worshiping him and him alone. He has made the way um, for uh, and and punish sin through either you or his son, Jesus, depending on which one you want to choose. Right. And for those who are in Christ, he's already dealt with sin and he's given us the answer to how to battle our sin in the righteousness of Christ. And so it makes it very simple. But as we say a lot, sin makes us very stupid. Yes, it does. So we have to define things biblically. Right. Well, we hope that this encourages you, believer, um, to love the Lord your God mm-hmm. uh, from the heart, to put off the old man and put on the new, and, and to die daily, as the Apostle Paul said. Um, to the non-believer, we hope that this convicts you. That is our prayer. Uh, conviction is an evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your heart. And so we would pray that this would convict you um, to cast off your love for sin and to come to the throne of Jesus Christ and bow the knee and acknowledge his lordship and then allow <laughs> allow that grace to transform you. Um, and so we pray that this would be the result of these podcasts. We thank you all for listening to this episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.